0: Hello, I'm Mary Portis and this is The Kindness Economy, a podcast that looks at the new values driving the businesses of tomorrow. People, planet and profit, in that order. It's the future. Are you ready for better? Growing up in Watford wasn't exactly an immersion into the natural world. I saw the odd bit of grass, of course, on the hockey field, the local wreck with my brothers kicking a ball, and the beach on holiday, but that was about it. It's only as I've got older that my love of and connection to nature has really been established. It started in my 20s, busy, 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 busy at work and needing a release, so I began running. And I discovered London's beautiful parks and spent years exercising in them in all seasons my head always cleared by a spell amongst greenness and then nearly 10 years ago my relationship to the natural world deepened when i bought a home in a beautiful cotswold gloucestershire valley it's surrounded on all sides by hills and i spend hours and hours tramping up and down them rain or shine, winter or summer, I walk and I walk and I walk. And for me, it's not about the exercise per se, although I know of course that that does me good. It's more about the meditative space that being in nature gives me. When I'm out immersed in the hillsides, wood and muddy paths, I really do feel my mind clear and I go into a place of true peace and calm. Walking those hills has strengthened me. Seeing the seasons change, year after year, has deeply connected me to the rhythms and power of nature. And it's made me realise that all this is a moment in time, that nature is the one true, enduring truth. That is why I love this quote that I read on the website of my guest today. It's by the author Marisha Mirnoska, who says, We breathe air from trees whose leaves are made of starlight. Our veins echo the patterns of rivers, branches and root systems. We are not a part of nature, we are nature. Now that's a subtle but powerful shift in perspective. I've been reading the great German poet Rilke, who also says, if we surrendered to Earth's intelligence, we could rise up, rooted like trees. We embody nature within each of us. The destruction being wrought on the natural world is also an attack on us. At a time when the climate debate is high on the agenda, thanks to COP26, it's the kind of thinking we need to make this debate being played out in conference rooms and at the highest level of often removed politics resonate with us at the deepest emotional level. We are not fighting to save the planet. We are fighting to save the planet and our very selves. I'm Mary Portas, welcome to The Kindness Economy. The Kindness Economy is supported by Dell Technologies and their Dell Women's Entrepreneur Network. Dell and Dwen are giving away up to £40,000 worth of tech solutions to three female-led small businesses in the UK. That's between the 8th and 14th of November. You can vote for your favourite finalists and help them win the top prize. View their pitch videos and vote for your favourite now at dwen.com forward slash DreamTech-UK. That's dwen.com, D-W-E-N forward slash DreamTech-UK. And thanks again to Dell Technologies. And now here's the show. I've always loved colour in my home. Colour feeds my soul, but I found lately in my latest home that I started to get a little bit more pared back and I don't know whether that's because I was feeling I wanted softer surroundings. I don't know, but I did that and then I thought, hmm, I need colour, I need print, I need fabrics because there is a joy in them that I just love and I've never ever felt that sort of frightened of them. I know a lot of people do. So, well, if you walked into my loo, and it's more than a loo, it's one of the biggest loos I've ever had. It was once a study. I created colour. Bright orange woodwork paired with this pink wallpaper festooned with flowers and vegetation. And I don't normally spend a long time in the loo, but I do in this one. And it's classic House of Hackney print that brings me joy and my visitors and my family every single day. And that's why I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Frida Gornley today, because she and her husband Javi founded House of Hackney in 2011, and it's now one of the most influential British interiors brand there is. Best known for its use of color, pattern, craftsmanship, House of Hackney also takes its wider responsibilities very seriously. It's a B Corp, which means it meets the highest standards of social and environmental performance in everything from its materials to its supply chains. And it was founded on three guiding principles, creativity, compassion, and consciousness. With our homes now more important than ever post pandemic, how can we ensure that the choices we make are kinder which makes our homes more warm and fuzzy and loving, both to us inside, but outside also, to other people and to the planet surrounding them. Frida, are you R-I-E? Yes. It's a great name. Oh, thank you. So what are the others? Our siblings? Have you got siblings? Uh, Laura, actually. All right. Laura, yeah. Now, uh, you're not that Irish. I'm one of five. <laughs> Jesus. Now, you talk about the natural world being a big influence in your business, not just on designs, but deeper than that. And you consult the Wheel of the Year, an ancient Celtic calendar. Yes. How do you use it and how important is that to you?
1: The Wheel of the Year is, for us, something that we have um, we presented you know, to our audience to be able to sort of understand past traditions, we're really interested in almost in pagan times when you know nature was revered. Um, it was at the time of the of the divine feminine. Yeah. It was about uh, seasonality, locality, all of these things that in this homogenized capitalist world that we are living in
0: industrial and technological
1: absolutely you know that it's actually it's really important to sort of to go back to learn from past sort of traditions and things that they had right and more than anything the deep connection with nature that we have all lost
0: It's really interesting you talk Mm. about this because I also talk about the divine feminine and I talk about, uh, well, the energies that I had brought into my world Mm. were male alpha patriarchal energies in order to succeed in business Mm. and that I had suppressed my true feminine Mm. energy. And I'm really hoping that's coming back. We need to embrace the power of feminine, don't we?
1: Definitely. I mean, I think we can see before our eyes sort of the old paradigms collapsing. They're not yes. they're not working anymore. And I do feel hopeful that there are new ways of coming together. There's new ways of doing business. You know, House of Hackney, we're ten years old as as a brand. Um prior to that I was a buyer at Topshop. bit um, of a different bulk. Which was a very different different ball game. Um, it was a really intri- interesting experience. Um, I were you there with Jane? I was there at Jane. Uh, I was there for five years, and it was you know I sort of caught it um, pre ASOS. So it was a really dynamic time when it, well. it had every single person in every position in the buying office from the you know most junior the most senior was incredibly talented it felt like you know anything was possible um Jane herself was obviously hugely inspiring in how she conducted business it was a women-led team um really- you know and
0: her and I trained together we were I was at Topshop really? I honestly at the same time together we were sort of like 25 yeah and at- <laughs>
1: Well, that doesn't surprise me. I think you're cut from, cut from a similar cloth, right? <laughs> isn't it funny? And yeah. isn't it
0: funny today, Jane, I, I was on, I had her on my radio show mm. talking about how, you know, her and I at the same age. And so we were part of the breed that created this sort of consumerism where, you know, get mm. the look, buy into this. Yes. And, you know, you were yeah. part of that.
1: We've all been part of it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, you know, Jane was very pioneering with, say, for example, the fair trade, bringing that into the business. I think consciously wasn't as high as it is now and certainly my consciousness in my like you know early to mid 20s wasn't it has you know risen and risen since yeah it, it was a really buzzy um interesting time and I could I could kind of see how you know that that was where I learned how a successful brand operates obviously as time went on the the decline started um Myself and my husband Javi, we had our first child. Was he in the business with you? Was he in the in the fast fashion business with you? No, he actually came up from a Javi studied fashion um, fashion design um, mm. and he he worked at the time with Hussein Shalayan, Alexander McQueen, and then actually ended up going into more product design and web design. Mm. Um, so um, so, what made you then go
0: So you have your child and then you go Actually I don't want to go back into that I need to create something
1: Yeah well it was sort of There was a few different um, I suppose sort of you know Situational reasons we, we bought our first home together Which was a house in Hackney And the time was you know late 2000s It was quite austere times But we were all living in in white boxes That was a trend had been like minimalist for 10 years and you know our previous homes absolutely were were odes to maximalism and it just you know I suppose with with young people on the pulse of sort of you know trend and what was coming through, we really wanted to bring color into our home um we were very much sort of interested in in a traditional you know quite like a British aesthetic, but at the same time we weren't looking to sort of you know sort of recreate our grandmother's home either. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. But um, I loved when I looked at what your founding values were
0: because it's Mm. a sort of, you know, we all know what it's like when you have to go to the banks or to investors. And I looked at this and I laughed because I wondered how, when you started this, the the money men responded because your three founding values were creativity, compassion, Mm. and consciousness, which are beautiful, and I'm wondering, really, when you started that, was there a time ever where you went, okay, you know, because the whole point of what I try mm. and say to business is if you come from a place of truth that deeply resonates yep. with your belief system, mm-hmm. money will come to you. Um that's very difficult to sell in the boardroom. How did you find that when you first started?
1: Yes, I mean I think myself and Javi we can only put our hearts into something that we truly believe in.
0: Exactly. Um
1: and uh it's the only it's what keeps us highly engaged. It gives us sort of power to go forward and to to inspire. You know, as I as I touched on earlier on, you know, Topshop was was very successful during those times, but there was also learnings about if we were to create our own, you know, our own organization, what, what would that be like? And what was lacking and, you know, so... What was lacking in the old way of doing business? In the old way. It's really so.
0: interesting because mm. I I, um, I realise that, mm. that actually we've had to unlearn a huge amount, yes. not just in how you do retail yeah. businesses, but on how we're living yes. and question every part yep. of that. Yep. And, you know, what that's allowed you to do is things mm. your own way. And you're now working with the same network of British mm. factories, manufacturers that you established at the start. And you essentially set up responsible supply chains from day one. One of the things that, I, that is the biggest thing talking about unlearning is how do we unlearn society to understand what the new values is mm. and that cheap and more stuff is killing the planet mm. and that we need much less? How do you approach that with, you know, people who are maybe on a budget?
1: It's a really interesting question. I think the pandemic was a very interesting time for everyone to sort of sit with oneself. Um, you know, what values came up during that time? What was most important? It was it was people and planet. Mm-hmm. It was protecting those close to us and the the importance of connections to nature and access to nature. So, I think in terms of the sort of the sustainability conversation um you know when we launched the brand we we launched it with our own quite small savings we had a little bit of EIS investment from friends and family and me coming from a big brand where if you get a lot of press when you launch you sell out which was what I had understood to happen and so we launched House of Hackney to sort of great fanfare it was obviously so fresh in the world of interiors but we launched it and you know we had no sales for about the past like easily six months we well sorry, sorry, so 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 you've got a lot of press but you yeah. didn't get any sales yeah because it takes it takes time for the yeah. customer to to trust you yeah. also what we're selling we're selling fabric wallpaper it's not like you can go into a shop and try on a dress it's a considered purchase mm. uh, so it took much longer to actually start building than we had sort of budgeted for mm. so that first year of House of Hackney was we both thought that we'd made the worst decision ever to quit our jobs um, how did that affect you emotionally you know there you were with your child yeah that's, come Usually, on, this is really
0: horrible, isn't it? You know, having been through that as well myself. Yeah. The stress and the effect and you're like, Usually. do I do just get out of this quick? Do I do the short mm. term and just, you know, chuck this out? H- how were you in that instance?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I would say I have quite, quite close to PTSD from, from, from that yeah. sort of first year. Um, that first year was we had a one-year-old child. Um, we were living on about 10 pounds a day. And it was the first time in our lives that we actually were literally living on the breadline, and you know, going to a supermarket and not being able to actually buy blueberries, as an example. Mm. Um, you know, and coming from being very sort of you know environmentally aware, you know, it made us realise that actually being sustainable, thinking about it, acting, acting sustainably is comes with privilege in terms of if you are on the breadline and literally just trying to pay your bills and afford food from your family it's a very sort of different situation so but you were on that yes yeah 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 absolutely so and so you did
0: keep it's you know it's a really difficult thing Mm. to um I, I remember when um COVID hit and I remember listening to um this wonderful kind of spiritual teacher talking and he said, Everybody worries about money and he said, Think of a time when you never had enough. And mm. I'm like, Oh God, there was a time, you know, my mother died, my mother had no money. And you're like, I had money, but I had enough.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: Now, being on the breadline does not make anybody no. happy. I understand that. But there is a time mm. when you realise from that, how mm. much do I actually need? Absolutely. And there's something you grow so deeply Mm. from that, don't you? You know, I've had that a few times in my life. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think neither myself nor Javi, you know, are big consumers. Mm. Um, You know, we very much sort of, we behave how we present the brand, which is we like to, you know, invest in good things that are going to last a long time as opposed to buying lots of stuff. And the rest of it is almost like, It's about personal mementos and little kind of talismans that are memories and that's what our home is. Yes, Um, and I think when you mm. talked
0: about um, that we sat with ourselves, you know, and Mm. how in solitude we deeply find Mm. ourselves. And I think so much of what went down in COVID is we Mm. realised that many of us thinking, is my home fueling my soul? It's not Mm. just a place where I want people to come and go, ooh, and I know that something that's come out, just certainly a lot of what I've been reading on Home Brands, is that more and more of us are thinking about the chemicals in our home from, you know, cleaning products. We've become mm-hmm. aware of what we're spraying in the ovens or whatever to paint. Mm-hmm. And it's shocking, isn't it, how much toxic atmosphere we can accidentally create in our home. So your wallpapers, mm-hmm. for example, totally PVC-free, aren't mm-hmm. they? You don't use harmful chemicals in your fabrics. Your cushions are stuffed with British wool. Your packaging is <laughs> biodegradable. How have you been able to balance that to weave this you know environmental accountability into your business and be aware
1: of how people are spending
0: you know it's a very it's a very difficult balance isn't it
1: It is I mean I think a lot of it is about educating the consumer so when we launched the you know the 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 interiors world was high street disposable Ikea at one end, it was a time of a sort of second, you know, buy-to-let properties, people were furnishing cheaply. And then at the other end was, you were sort of Chelsea Harbour, yeah. traditional fabric and, and Absolutely. Which again, you know, although the quality was there, it didn't speak to, to us either. So, you know, when we kind of sat down and looked at, I suppose, our, our vision, our mission, first of all, it was about zero to no waste. Yeah. So in terms of our categories, fabric, wallpaper, we print wallpaper to order on a fast delivery. We're lucky to be in the time of digital printing, mm. which does you know, facilitate high mm-hmm. color mm-hmm. Um, and uh, low, no wastage. But you know we also see that explaining to, to a customer actually the trajectory of the product and that you know, and inspired by a very British aesthetic that our production would be made in England. So we travelled, you know, obviously came from a fast fashion background. Uh, We had no like little black buck of where we'd get any of this made. So it had all gone. It had all gone. Well, we thought it had, but then we we literally spent six months driving around the UK, knocking on doors, like a wild goose chase. One contact leading to the next and actually... Finding a handful of these wonderful generational factories, you know, passed down from father and son. And it's interesting that, you know, we made good decisions with those factories. To this day, it's the same portfolio of factories we've grown together It's so interesting that because I
0: remember, I don't know if you saw, I did a a show where I looked at British manufacturing. Could we compete? I I remember, yeah. 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 But when I was going back to try and find the Mm. factories, it was also to find the seamstresses who could train the Mm. people. You know, they were working in supermarkets, stacking shelves, thinking it was on some horrible retail estate. Yes. You know, thinking it was all over. And how do you think, do you think we can see a real return to British manufacturing, local manufacturing in this country?
1: Well, I think another, you know, interesting counter-reaction to the pandemic, one that I'd like to see happen and I feel has potential, is the future is local. Yes. I'm a big fan of Satish Kumar, who you're probably familiar with, and his message. yeah. That is our future. We need to move away from everything, you know, from an environmental point of view, for a societal point of view, um, and also from a from actually what the customer wants. No one wants to, you know. People are curious. They want to have different experiences and find different things in different places. Mm. And you know, there's this lovely return to to craft people using their hands again oh god
0: I mean you know, you know? it's really interesting I was watching my little son had come back he was learning about the industrial revolution at school and he's like mama they're asking me do you think it's a good thing I said well let's go through it shall we Horatio? ratio
1: shall we go through what it did
0: <laughs> and then we'll see whether we tick that box mm. and you realise what that did to all those mm. craftspeople that what All in well where you are living Mm. now in Cornwall, where I'm living now in the Slad Valley. You know where Um. they were making and creating, and uh, what I loved is when you started your business because local's been so important to you. And and I think when we talk about local, it's about a a web of security Mm. around you, isn't it? And in your home, that's where it starts. And you actually started your business in your actual home yes. in hackney which yep. is why it's called house yes. of hackney yes and the business is still yep. based in that area in fact i did yeah. a recording above it i was doing a podcast above it and i went oh my gosh i'm above house of hackney how lovely um t- tell me about how you've where are your other stuff sold Are you're in liberties i've seen yes. you in liberties yes. so how have you expanded ooh. so and how do you choose the
1: partners so we we set the brand up obviously the you know the, the catalyst for us to actually even start the brand was our own home because we couldn't find what we were looking for. So um we created it, we we installed it in our home, we didn't have a shop, we didn't have a showroom, we didn't have a shoot location, and we said, well, look, let's just take, let's just set it up in our home and shoot it in it, use it for appointments. It, it wasn't it, it's interesting in retrospect, because it kind of feels like it was a canny marketing thing to do. It actually wasn't that at all. It, it was more just, you know, it more out of necessity. Um, so, yeah, so that was sort of our first base. And we used to hold all our, our appointments there. And uh, then consequent, you know, press surrounding the launch. Then Liberty actually came to us. And that became a, a very important relationship for us. You know, I think myself and, and Javi, both from an ethical point of view, and also from um, sort of an exposure point of view, we quite like flying below the radar. Um, we don't want to be kind of everywhere. We've we've declined sort of more invitations to collaborate than we've accepted. Um, you know, and a lot of it also comes down to how we're building how we we're, we're building the company. We could pop up in all our key cities where we've got customers and we could be quite aggressive about it, but for us that goes against our our ethos of you know sustainable building. I don't think you can have both so it's made us very very selective in our partners it you know in our growth plans um, we took on um a private equity when we were five to be able to um you know, bring in a management team, key things like that that, that, that we needed.
0: And the words private mm. and equity doesn't sort of balance normally with, you, you know, what you're mm. talking about. How did you educate them and how have they been? Because I mean, listen, it's unfair if I say that there are some <laughs> who aren't total ourselves, but mm. there are a lot who are. So, yeah. how have you done that? Because um, s- they would be investing to want to see returns.
1: Yes, yes. So, I think for us, it was a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, um, a private equity group that, you know, promised to us that they would be hands off. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's something that we have managed and we've, we've delivered without having too much pressure, um, and also being in the majority as well, which is very important. Yep. Um, So we've been able to sort of, um, yeah, get on with it. Make it work, make it work.
0: And Um, so how are we going to, and this is really important, is how do we make sustainability less of an economic luxury? I mean, do you you envisage a tipping point where it's just going to go mainstream and all the prices will reduce, or will we just get used to paying more and end up buying less?
1: You know, I, I was quite excited about Gen Z we've been on the eco marches and to see sort of their, their big representation is really exciting and you know, you'll probably see in your own in your own kids there's course, such yeah. they're almost evolved and evolving to actually be ready for all this as well. Um but, you know, I read a report in the Business of Fashion last week about the real problem with with the likes of Boohoo and all of this high street was disposable well there's a whole nother another level and you know it feels also that like a lot of it is linked to Instagram and sort of the the look look at me me and you know for and that sort of I call it individualism not in terms of creative individualism but in terms of the me 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 But it's a
0: really difficult one because I've been, Mm. this is what we've been talking about, and we're Mm. always bashing our head around this one. You know, Frida, it's like, Mm. you know, and you can't just go, there's the educated Gen Zs and there's the non educated Mm. because it sounds pretty shit to say Mm. it like that. But what's happened, I think, is that the the way that social media and the way that brands historically have marketed it's, you Mm. know, that what you buy reflects who you are, Mm. where you are. And it's, Mm. you know, if you go back to when I went into, business in the 80s it was status symbols Mm. you know if you had that bag if you had those sunglasses it it said that you'd achieved that Mm. takes a lot that has gone so deep i mean look Mm. every luxury house has been built on that let's face it let's face it Mm. and they've got more money than you and i could ever shake a stick at that's marketed it Mm. that way completely so to Mm. turn the tide on that Mm. and then what's coming in the back of it are you know the likes of lots of influencers, mm. we won't name them, mm. who are showing their world and mm. all these young Gen yep. Zs who want to be that. And then you've got the others who are mm. aware. So we've got this real mm. polarization. And then of course, on top of it, you've got the businesses that I call the give a fucks and don't give a fucks. Mm. You know, you're mm. a give a fuck. Mm. Quite frankly, those ones that don't give a fucks. Yep. They're really just churning this shit out mm. and doing short term, big, big profit Mm. and you know historically that's been seen as the only tenet mm. of success mm. and they've you know been lauded by parliament by government knighted. That's problem. yeah so mm. we've got to turn that tide mm-hmm. you know and, and I think create what are who are the other icons or the voices of this mm. that can get yep. up and show that mm. modern sexy status is linked to sentience mm. and not linked to symbols
1: yes yeah it's a huge job it is i mean they they need sort of you know, a new group of positive ambassadors. Yeah, move over. You know. So yeah,
0: I mean, I always thought. Yeah. You know, if the Kardashians stood up and just said it, we'd be it would happen pretty mm. quickly. Don't buy anymore, and yeah. you don't need. To, my God, wouldn't it be amazing? So, <laughs> but but, and you yeah. know, sometimes yeah. when I lie in bed at night, I do get depressed yeah. about that yeah. because and and I go talking about this yeah. stuff, and I'm on mm. global stages talking about it, and someone mm. goes, "Yeah," but look at the ones that are making the most money. You go yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. You know, so is this about making the most money or is this about creating mm. brands like you're doing that says, mm. this is good for me, this is yep. good for the planet? Yep.
1: I think there's some other interesting trends coming through, for example, obviously, you know, the likes of Depop,
0: yes. secondhand
1: vintage, of course, of course. and people really wearing that with, with pride. And so there's there's definitely… A lot of shifts happening. Yeah, so it's just how it just needs to gather momentum we haven't got quite much quickly. Time. No, we are up so, against it. Yeah.
0: And talking about time, finally, it's a question I ask all my guests, where would you like to see your industry um, in 10 years? What do you mm. think good would really look like?
1: So I think it's a, at our end, it's a fairly clean industry anyhow. Yeah. Um, in terms of being low wastage, in terms of it being, you know, creating a room, the longevity of it, you know, these pieces can last a lifetime, can be handed down to be enjoyed by many. So all of those are, you know, tick, tick, tick. Um, I love the joy interiors bring. Do I? And I think, you know, that's, um, and it's quite a generous joy as well. You it's know, a sharing one, isn't it? It yeah. really is. It really yeah. is, yeah. Um, I've never thought of it that way. You're right, it is generous. Definitely. And, you know, outside our homes, it's it's a bit of a scary world out mm. there. So our homes are now not just places where we slept in and went to work, but they're actually now, they're sanctuaries. So all of that's really interesting. You know, I I hope all of that sort of continues and grows. Um I think there's sort of, there's, There are interesting sort of other trends, Um, I think, you know, in terms of the likes of packaging, for example, Mm. which I'd like to see, you know, there needs to be further solutions on that. And it's something that my husband, Javi, is really passionate about. He's very innovative. We're seeing the likes of mushroom packaging coming through. So it's so interesting. I was mm. talking to
0: Lee Edelcourt, you know, who does the big trend forecast. Have you ever met Lee? No, like, oh, no, no, you I haven't. Love, okay. You must okay. look up her stuff. Yeah. So Lee's a Dutch trend forecaster. And mm. she's
1: Oh, I do you know, know who you mean. Yes, yes. And she's you know, wonderful. She's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And
0: she was talking that, you mm. know, growing mushrooms, coffee, mm. um, the, the mulch from that, beetroots. And she says, yep. and it was years ago, and that's why mm. I, I love her so much, I, I, and uh she said that the, the answer to all this, where it was once factories, mm. is now going to be on the farms.
1: Yes. Isn't that yeah, wonderful? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing beside us in Cornwall, um, there's been a movement of regenerative farmers move, yes. move to, to the area as our neighbours, and that is so exciting. It's really interesting because the more we talk about
0: this, and I keep coming back to the unlearn, unlearn, the way that we've all been brought up and the society that's been created actually we've been buying into and living under a lot of really wrong ideas haven't we we
1: have yeah i mean but it it has been you know sort of led by capitalist mm. advertising um you know it's like on on a street of houses not every single household needs a lawnmower. Imagine if there was like one lawnmower just for the entire street. But you shared. It's stuff like that. It's the sharing economy, which is really interesting. It's the not having to own something. All of this is coming through and is interesting. And I feel it's going to be adapted by by different industries, including the interior's ones.
0: That's us in the next 10 years in, right? Yes. Long <laughs> Lovely having you with me today.
1: Thank you so much, Mary, for having My me. Pleasure. My <laughs> pleasure.
0: Frieda and Javi have undoubtedly built a successful and very cool business that does have kindness at its heart. And I love that every stage and aspect of their business they factored in those values even when they were on their knees and not making the money they hoped to. Everything was their value system at play in all their decision making. And I hope you felt as inspired as I did listening to Frida talk about her goals and how they got there to actually following truly their heart. Join me next week when my guest will be Glenn Burrows, co-founder of The Ethical Butcher. Now, whatever stance you have on the rights and wrongs of eating meat, there's no doubt that it's still a huge part of many people's diets. But what is needed to ensure that the meat we do eat is kind to the planet? and ensures animals' welfare. That's next week with me, Mary Portis, on The Kindness Economy.